this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen. Thanks for joining us today for Ted Speaks with your host, Ted Carew, the Positive Safety Coach. As co-host and Ted's wife, I have the added task of keeping Ted in line and laughing at his jokes, which isn't always easy. My name is Barb Carew. We are coming to you from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, home of the Brewers, Miller Beer, and the Fonz. How could it get any better than that? Our podcast focuses on sharing ideas with business owners and safety professionals to keep employees safe and families together. Our passion for keeping people safe is the reason Total Health and Safety Solutions was created. This is how Ted is able to share his 25 years of safety experience by supporting companies around the globe in their efforts to strengthen their health and safety process. Please join us in welcoming Bob Molitor. Bob is a retired business owner with over 35 years of experience, now mentoring for the Fox City SCORE office, offering his help to entrepreneurs with manufacturing, distribution, negotiations, and more. He founded a business in the industrial distribution industry and focused on the manufacturing and distribution of overhead material handling equipment. The business grew from three to 70 plus employees with annual sales of over $15 million. Through the years, Bob has developed experience in sales, marketing, production, human resources, finance and administration, banking, negotiation, and government regulations. Bob is a rigging expert whose knowledge has been valued in both construction and manufacturing for many years. Hey, Bob, how are you doing today? Just wonderful, Ted. Thank you. Hey, I am uh, really excited to have you on uh, Ted Speaks today. Both Barb and I are really looking forward to it. Obviously, you and I have a history of one, two, or 20 years working together, so I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about what you have to offer our audience and a lot of your experience and knowledge, and especially in, in the rigging and fall protection areas. Sounds good to me. Bob, could you uh, just give our audience a little brief background of your history and catch them up to speed here? Sure. Um, I was in the material handling industry, which is kind of a a large area, but for 35 years, owned businesses that we manufactured uh, an assortment of lifting slings, uh, lifting attachments. We represented probably 100, 200 companies of assorted overhead lifting products and create design. We got into overhead cranes, fabrication of lifting beams and jib cranes and things of that nature. So pretty wide varied expense, but mostly involved probably in when it comes to material handling, where there was um, issues, I should say, was overhead lifting and primarily in in regards to slings. 
and some of the problems that we encountered, as Ted can attest to, <laughs> with failures and things of that nature, and accidents and injuries, and it was kind of it could be kind of scary at times. Yeah. So, Bob, when you were dealing with a lot of these different type of incidents, and um, was it the product? A lot of times, or was it more or less human behavior or lack of training from, from your experience kind of generally? Well, you know, today, everybody always hears about product recalls. There's always, a, you know, Toyota recalls, cars, stuff like that. In 35 years, I never saw one recall of any material handling product that was manufactured. It was the, the, the safety was there. So the accidents and incidents that occurred were for human errors, basically. And a lot of cases, it was like, oh, geez, I didn't know that the product couldn't do that. I didn't know that this would cause this product to fail, things of that nature. So, and and I brought up the word complacent because so many times people said, well, I've been doing it that way for years. And <laughs> yeah. I've never seen you have a problem. I've never had a problem before. Why would I have one now, right? Yeah, yeah, because you've been doing it wrong for years. <laughs> The product had so much safety factors built into it that you didn't have a failure. But, you know, and, and the unfortunate, I shouldn't say unfortunate thing, but the benefit of product, progress through chemistry is the majority, when I started in lifting slings, I would say uh, wire rope slings, steel, and chain were probably representing about 50% of the lifting business, maybe 60% of lifting slings, and the rest in the synthetic products. When I left the industry 35 years later, it was probably 70 to 75% of the lifting slings are made out of synthetic products versus 25% in steel, chain, and wire rope. And that steel, the chain, and wire rope are the safest of those lifting slings to be used because they're more durable, they're less um, potential for damage and injuring accidents versus synthetic products. As anybody knows, a synthetic product can be torn easily, it can be cut easily, it can be ripped easily. And every time you use a synthetic product, it literally wears out. So it, it loses its, its capacity just by, by use. Uh, the friction involved in the product and things of that nature. So, yeah, all the accidents, I, I don't think, well, we did have a few, but I would say uh, probably 50 or more of the accidents I investigated on were almost always synthetic products. And they were almost, I shouldn't say, human error, but then I used to say it was human abuse, but it was more of a misunderstanding of the product. They just didn't understand that, oh, this can happen if I do it this way and this thing's going to fail. I learned a lesson, but unfortunately, many times the hard way. Can you share maybe a story or two about sling angle and how important, and I think that's probably one of the most misunderstood parts of rigging is really the sling angle, because once you have that, if you don't have that correct, it doesn't matter how, how, how good your capacity is on the sling, right. correct? Let's go back to just the concept of physics. When you lift something up, you want to have your load directly beneath what your pick point is going to be. Okay, it's simple as that. Did you ever see a gymnast do an iron cross? Okay, a gymnast is sitting up there and he's, and he's parallel. His legs and his arms are, are vertical to the ground. He weighs 100 pounds. By the time he does that iron cross and his legs, his, his arms are extended 90 degrees from his body, he weighs about 1,000 pounds. Wow. Oh. Wow. So can That's you crazy. imagine That's why, why, why his veins are bulging out of his head, <laughs> Popeye muscles in his arms? Well, I just they, did that this they, morning, they Bob. I didn't think it was all I that know, great I, of a deal. I, I, I can imagine you did it this morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, picture you pick up a chair 
and pick it up vertically and then take that chair and extend it off to your right, your left arms or whatever, and try to pick up yeah. that chair. It gets heavier. You know, the chair doesn't get any heavier, but right. the fleet angle increases and it tells you that. So you can make that sling that has a thousand pound capacity and you're lifting a thousand pounds. And if you make it like, a, especially in a bridal sling or a two-legged sling, and you, and you have that terrible feet angle, the closer you get to horizontal with your sling legs, the more the weight increases. And that thousand pound leg, that thousand pound lift can actually come up to 10,000 pounds. And guess what? If you have a thousand pound sling with a five to one safety factor, that sling's going to break at about 5,000 pounds. Guess what? That lift is not going to happen. It's going to break. That's a good, um, a good visual for people who, you know, have a hard time grasping that concept. It sounds simple. But I, I would think that that kind of stuff gets missed a lot if you don't know the ins and outs of that. So that at least that helps me visualize. Yeah, you have to know how to use the product, not just have a great product. But right. And the, the disadvantage is, is most cases, if you have a, an outdoor crane and you're on a job site, well, your roof is the ceiling is the sky. You, your fleet angle is very minimal. But when you get into in-plant situations where you have low headroom clearances and stuff of that nature, they have no other option but to put a severe fleet angle on what they're lifting. And as long as you can educate people on that, you know, the slings don't care what, what the capacity is. If, 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 if they're lifting 10,000 pounds, get a sling that can, can safely handle 10,000 pounds and, and just calculate that when you're, you're considering your fleet angle. So are you saying that the iron workers back in the day or maybe currently and, and some of the other uh, trades when they beat down with their beater bar, um, the sling angle, that's probably not the best thing to do. Yeah. Choke. Remember choke, choke hole. It yeah. hurts, you know, yep. hold, hold that thing in yeah. place. Right. <laughs> yeah. And the problem is when today, when they're lifting slings, they'll put a, a choker sling. It's probably the best sling attachment for gripping the load for holding the load. But unfortunately they have a difficult time getting the center of gravity. So they'll, they'll, hook it up and they'll tighten that sling eye down as much as they possibly can. So now my sling eye becomes almost horizontal to what I'm picking up. So what is that fleet angle? That fleet angle is six, maybe seven times what you're actually lifting up. So, you know, people just don't consider that when they're lifting slings today. And I think that's where a lot of the accidents uh, occur, right? In, in that, and, and that rigging to me is something that is pro- very unique as far as it's not something you can just sit there and go into a classroom for eight, 10 hours uh, and learn about, or, or I really should say a two hour course, right? It, it's one of those kind of things that you kind of have to just learn over time. Yeah. Have a, have a basis with training, but I think it's really the experience that you get and, and that you're working with somebody that can really mentor you. I, I don't know how your feelings are on that, Bob. Oh, definitely from that standpoint. But unfortunately, even good riggers will learn a lesson the hard way. Right. <laughs> oh, geez, we shouldn't have done it that way. Did everybody learn something? Well, yeah, the load dropped, you know. I mean, I, I, I don't, can't imagine how many times we've had calls on slings that failed and loads dropped. And they say, oh, we had thousands of dollars worth of damage and we're going to put a claim against your insurance company and all that sort of stuff. You know, fortunately, I mean, I, I've had enough incidents where people got injured. Uh, no fatalities, but I mean, people were in pretty seriously injured. We had one incident where a guy lost a leg when, when a wow. sling broke and steel cut, can cut off, cut off, the, cut off his leg when the steel beam dropped. Um, so it can be pretty scary, but it, experience is one thing, but sometimes that experience is, well, just because I learned something 10 years ago doesn't necessarily mean it was the right way to learn. So, yeah. That's where you talk about compliance too a lot is you can't get comfortable with something that, you know, 
is so critical, right? You just have to stay on top of it and yeah, keep educated and trained. Yeah. 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 That complacency is, is, and, and, and you look at a sling just because it's, you know, it's maybe, well, it looks good. It's old, but it looks good. That, that doesn't mean it could, just because of that, because we would take slings, web slings and pull test them. After we'd make them, we'd pull test them to destruction. And we would have about a four or five to one safety factor, which meant that it could take four or five times that what we rated on the sling. But we would take a sling from somebody that's maybe six months or a year old that just been under normal usage, and we would pull test that sling destruction. We would never get back to our four or five to one design factor. You would lose 20 to 30% of the capacity of that sling. So synthetic material, all that friction on the inside, it wears out as you use it, and it picks up dirt and grit and grime and grease and stuff like that. So. Well, and, and it's sitting out in the sun doesn't help it, right? Or, or the real cold weather too, exactly. even for, yeah. for Wisconsin yeah. that we're in. I mean, yeah. sometimes those 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 fibers would freeze up, and that would just be not a good thing too. So, I mean, there's a lot of they have a lot to of, move. Yeah, right. I mean, a nylon sling will stretch ten to fifteen percent every time you lift it. So it you know comes back to its original shape most of the cases, but all that friction under tension under load causes additional stress on that product. Yeah. Now, I know when you talk about um, training, we had a guest on a few months back, a safety person who fall protection was kind of his strong suit. And he said that you just really have to focus on good training because if you have a good product and even good people, if they're not taught the right way, I think there was an example of a gentleman um, was doing things the wrong way for so long. And he said, no one ever showed me the right way. So when you talk about a good product and then training and safety is they're a little different way you have to handle fall protection and rigging. Like, do you need more of that hands-on mixed in with the classroom? Is that sometimes hard to do? Asking both Bob and Ted. Yeah, it's hard to do to yeah. get the people, get your audience in, involved because companies are saying, oh, I can't afford to bring all these people into a, into a classroom. They're out in the field. They're 30, 40, 50 miles away on job sites. Right. But ultimately, then when they do want, they will bring them in after they have an accident that can cost them some, some fair amount of money. So yeah, pay me now or pay me later. (laughs) Right. I mean, and that's very, very true, especially when it comes to rigging and, and fall protection too, to that extent. But I mean, the rigging, I think is such a misunderstood, um, that people like, like you say, Bob, um, I think they take it for granted that, that the product is going to work, but they don't necessarily read the fine print or understand the fine print of how to use that, uh, slinger or whatever. Same thing with come alongs. What are your feelings about come alongs, um, working with come alongs and, uh, those type of devices, uh, on, on different sites? Um, it's a great product, but we used to repair probably 40 to 50 of those things a week. And they didn't come in for just a little maintenance and a PM job. They came in <laughs> with books that were overloaded. The problem with those units is if, if I'm using an electric hoist out in my plant shop and I'm lifting one ton and I think I'm lifting one ton, I'm actually lifting two ton. I hit my button on my hoist, that hoist goes up and it stops. It has that overload protection. It's saying, wait a minute, we can't lift this much. Mm-hmm. A manual chain hoist, a lever hoist, a come along, it doesn't have those safety features. The manufacturers do offer those safety features, but the customers don't buy them. They'll say, I, you know, I can't stand it because I can't do what I want to do with these things. You know, and they take a three-quarter ton come along and they'll try to pull three or four tons with it. And it's just, it's, you know, it's just as much as they can pull until something happens. And, you know, the manufacturers have built in safety features along that uh, the design factor, but sometimes 
if if they're not if they're not observed or, or you use properly, they don't see how that safety factor is being impacted, and all of a sudden the, the, the come along will fail, or the case may be. But we saw things that were the handles were bent and broken, uh, the hooks had opened up because the uh, the hooks the steel hooks that are that are made in those hoists are very soft, and they actually will open up instead of shearing. They'll actually sp spread themselves open, and so you can you can almost bend it to the point where the load will slip out of the hook. So there is some safety features that are put in those products, but again, most cases, the end users tend to ignore them, maybe, or just because I got to get the job done. I don't want to go back to the tool shed. I don't want to go back to the job trailer that's two, 300 yards away and get a bigger product, a heavier hoist to do it. I'll do it with what I have. And you just don't know what the damage is to that product. So sometimes uh, I know that uh you know, it has happened where somebody's using the product. They're the one that actually damaged it, but the next person doesn't know it. They use it. And they're the ones that unfortunately have to pay for that price. You know, exactly. so it, 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 it's just, yeah, it is. It's very scary of, of what can happen um, with that. And that's why uh, I think, Bob, you're so passionate about rigging safety is to make sure that people understand what they're doing and stuff like that. Bob, if there's somebody out here listening that, you know, is trying to learn more about rigging, um, what would be some of the advice that you would give them um, of, of ways to learn more about rigging? That's a pretty difficult question. I mean, yeah, it's, it's not a, it's not an easy one because it's not like a fall protection where it's kind of much more laid out for us and and understood. Right. Where rigging is that that one that's kind of out there that could be different to every industry almost, right? Yeah, I guess the, the big thing I'd say would would look into fleet angle, look into back into geometry and physics and and the understanding of fleet angle and show you how much, how difficult that load can, that can be lifted is, is the weight will intensify. Uh, I remember we had an instance where, where a paper company had ordered some big, big nylon slings. It was called wide body basket slings. And each one sling had a 20 ton capacity. And there was a roll that they were, that was the first time they were taking this roll out for maintenance and they had no headroom whatsoever. And they wrapped those slings just tightly as they could around the roll and picked up the load and the roll never moved off its stanchions and the slings broke. They just started tearing apart. And the guy called us up and said, whatever you sold us was junk. It was defective. We never even got the roll. Well, off coming from it. you, Bob, it was, darn it. Yeah. <laughs> I said, come on, you know, it's cheap. You got a good deal. It's just, just don't worry about it. But so, yeah, when you go up there and understand and, and explain to them, that it's just because the sling says, and every sling has a tag on it that says it's good for 20,000 pounds in a vertical lift, okay? Yep. And then if you put it in a true basket lift, it's good for 40,000 pounds. And that true basket lift means your load is directly beneath your pick point, okay? Well, unfortunately, that's not usually the case. And all of a sudden, now we introduce that fleet angle in the equation. And even on a sling tag, it says, if you use this on a choker capacity, it reduces the load, the capacity by at least 15%. And that's in a good rated fleet angle, okay? And we always have the rule of thumb as you go back to geometry class, if you wanna, if you wanna learn something about that, <laughs> is whatever your fleet angle is gonna be, your pick points, if your pick points are 20 feet apart, you should have sling legs that are 20 feet in length. Okay, that's an ideal pick point. That increases your load by about 15% capacity. So if you're lifting 2,000 pounds, now you're lifting about 2,500 pounds. That slings, those things can handle it. But so if you start getting anything closer to horizontal, now you got to consider 
This is not a 20,000 pound pick. It could be a 30,000 pound pick, a 40,000 pound pick. And I got to get the slings that can handle that kind of load. So always overemphasize capacity. Yeah. And I just think listening to both of you talk, you know, obviously lots of experience and knowledge and it is scary if someone doesn't know, like Bob, this is second nature to you and you're just, you have a wealth of information to share, but that's like a lot to absorb. And I can see where this safety issue of rigging and fall protection, everything can be very, very um, kind of scary to someone new that doesn't realize how much there is to know. So they also just need someone to to support them and say, like, this is a big deal. Let's do it the right way. Here's great product, but here's how you use it, what to do. And it's it's a lot. It's overwhelming. Well, even to the experienced people like Bob was talking about, too, they, they sometimes take it for granted that they understand and may not know it correctly. And then all of a sudden we have that. Compliance. Yeah. <laughs> the um, complacence. Of that, yes. Yeah. yes. So, and the unfortunate thing is that that, as Ted, you can attest to, safety uh, always used to be considered a cost to yes. a company. Yep. That it was a a net gain on the profit margin. So they tried to minimize as much as possible, and now they're finally starting to realize that safety is actually a savings for a company Absolutely. because they have to have they have to have safety out there. If their work record or if their if their incident record, their work mod is not good because they have some incidents or accidents, they're not getting work. They're not getting jobs. So now I think companies are finally getting people. But this, the people that I've seen that come out of safety, out of college, so to speak, Ted, they have a lot of knowledge, but they don't they did not learn a lot of hands-on rigging and a lot of hands-on experience for what, what how to how to safely rig products. Right. I mean, and that's, that's the big thing. I know when I was out in the field learning, you know, on the job sites, I I had such a knowledge of different people that I could go to, um, to learn. And, and you're right. That's really where, where it comes into, you can have the book knowledge. That's great. But being able to apply, it's a whole different, whole different story. I think. That's a good point. Hey, Bob, I want to thank you for being on Ted Speaks today. Um, but this is my favorite part, especially with you being able to ask you a couple uh, jokes and see how you do today. Oh. I, I, the question is, are you ready? <laughs> I've been born ready, Ted. <laughs> I kind of knew that one, I guess. That one was coming. Oh, okay. What kind of pool does a cat like to swim in? What kind of pool does the cat like to swim in? I have no idea, Ted. You're going to have to surprise me with this one. This is a difficult one. A kiddie pool. Ah! (laughs) That one I should have caught. Yes, I I agree, especially with your grandkids. I was going to say. (laughs) Your jokes are so lame that I'm just (laughs) way, way off there. I I just don't have no idea. (laughs) Just kidding. He summed it up pretty well. They are are pretty lame, but (laughs) (laughs) we have one more for you. Why do bees have sticky hair? Bees have sticky hair. Why do bees have sticky hair? We gave this one to you because you always have such nice looking hair. I like my hair. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I like your hair. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Oh, I'm lost at that one, Barb. Uh, Because they use honeycombs. Oh. <laughs> hey, Bob, again, thank you very much for being on uh, Ted Speaks. If somebody wanted to get a hold of you or uh, get some brain. information from you, how would yeah, they go about doing that? Uh, I'll give you my email address. That's probably, in, and you know, from that standpoint, you know, rather than a phone call, so they can do the email. Yeah. It's R R Molitor, M O L I T O R, 53115 
at gmail.com. Super. And then you're also available on LinkedIn too, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've got a LinkedIn profile. But so you can good. look at him. He's a nice golfing picture on there. So <laughs> yeah, I don't want to show my ugly mug. So I all right. Well, again, hey, Bob, thank you so much. And for all the help that you've given both Barb and I from the mentoring and uh, helping us out, we really appreciate it. And, and please, if, if you guys want to know something about Reagan, this is definitely the guy that you want to talk to. So thank you very much and uh, have a super safe day. Thank you, Bob. Oh, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to TED Speaks with Ted Carew, owner of Total Health and Safety Solutions, providing health and safety support to businesses by customizing a safety process to fit their needs, big or small. Please connect at ted.carew at healthandsafetynow.com or visit our website, healthandsafetynow.com to share your safety stories or find out more about how we can work together to ensure your people go home safely and turn an expense into a profit center. Follow us and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. Have a super safe week. 